0: And I want to share something with you, and we're going to go a little bit different. So we, we will um, take a different route than we might normally take uh, and receive the offering at the end of the service today. Um, the Lord spoke something specifically to, the, to me this morning, and I want to share it with you as our church family. And then um, what He has given me to minister to you from His Word Um, But Joshua chapter 3 and verse 4, would you put that on the screen for me, please? Joshua chapter 3 verse 4 is the scripture that the Lord brought to me um, this morning and gave me a specific instruction for us concerning days ahead. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter 3. You'll have to look it up. Evidently, our screen isn't working with us right now. Sometimes technology just doesn't want to cooperate. But thankfully, you brought your Bibles. Amen. So we're not dependent upon that to get our our, our word. Joshua chapter 3 verse 4 says, Yet... I'll actually begin in verse 3. They commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. And the Lord emphasized that part of that phrase to me, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. You've not passed this way before. So the Ark of the Covenant was going to go ahead of them, and they needed to keep their attention. They needed to maintain their position to be able to see the direction of the Lord. Because they needed to know the way they should go. We are the carriers of the presence of the Lord. And yet it is still imperative for us as believers to maintain our attention on Him. Because although He dwells in us, greater is He who is in us. Although He is present in our born-again spirit... It is possible to have your attention on all of the other things in your life and not be giving heed to His directions. And so this is what the Lord said to me this morning, and it it has imprinted my spirit so much. I want you to hear my heart as your pastor, as one who is uh, assigned with your... Your destiny. I am assigned to help you and to feed you and to lead you and to guide you. And I want you to hear me with hearing ears. Everybody got your catchers on? The Lord said to me, we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith. We are entering a season that will require, require the walk of faith. And then he emphasized this, another depth of skill in walking in the spirit. So he is identifying to me that the walk of faith is walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. And then he gave me some specific things for us to be working on. He said, know the leading of the Lord with a certainty. Know the leading of the Lord with a certainty. In other words, we need to become so acquainted with how he leads us and his voice. That we don't have to spend a day or two judging to find out, was that God or was that me or was it the pizza I ate last night? Right? We need to know, okay, that was the Lord. I'm going to act on it. That was the Lord. I need to know the leading of God with a certainty. Number two, practice obedience. Practice obedience. Practice obedience. Faith obeys. Faith is the highest form of obedience. Being a doer of the word is because we believe that that's the word of God. So practice obedience. Number three, develop humility and your love walk. Develop humility and your love walk. No matter where you are in those two areas, and they are connected... Humility and walking in love are connected. No matter what skill you have in that, we can all gain a greater skill in walking in love. We can all gain a greater skill in humility. Amen? And then he said, the fruit of the Spirit is vital. The fruit of the Spirit, we know Galatians 5, says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long suffering, meekness, temperance, goodness, faith, those fruit, the characteristics of God's character, the elements of God's character that are in us by the new birth, he said, those are vital. Those are vital. And I remember when I wrote the book, Pressure No Problem, that he took me through each one of the fruit of the Spirit and showed me that each one of the fruit of the Spirit are developed to help, they are, it is developed to help you overcome the pressures of this world. Amen? And then, finally, he said, to tr- the trust in God, His ways and His words are safeguard trusting in God his ways and his word they are safeguards safeguards so i'm just going to go through the whole thing again in case you were filling in the blanks we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith nothing to be afraid about god's telling us now because faith is the victory he's given us the victory we're not being, we're not afraid of that we're like thank you lord I'm thankful. Amen. I am. I am. He said, we are entering a season that will require the walk of faith. Another depth of skill in walking in the Spirit. Know the leading with a certainty. Practice obedience. Develop humility and the love walk. The fruit of the Spirit is vital. Trusting in God, His ways and His word are strong, are safeguards. They are safeguards. Hallelujah. So this is, this is homework. This is preparation time. And it's because he's taking us somewhere. It's because he's walking us in. This was Joshua chapter 3 is the entrance into the promises. It's entrance into what God had prepared for them. It was entering into good things. And for us to enter into the things of God and to have to grow in God. To experience the fullness of what he has for us. Amen. We 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 are, are entering into the good things that he has for us. And as I said, faith is the victory. So let's look at Numbers chapter 13. And I want to, I want to, in light of what the Holy Spirit has indicated to us, I want to begin. Today, working on some of this homework. And I want us to recognize our part of faith, and I want us to recognize when the victory is established in our life. At the point of believing, is when the victory is set in place in our life, not when the manifest of the victory occurs but in that moment that we take God at His word and set ourselves to act on His word. So Numbers chapter 13, I want to look at an example here in the children of Israel as God is leading them into the promises. And He says in Numbers chapter 13, and I'll begin in verse 27, they, they had sent the uh, 12 spies into the land and they come back. And in verse 27, they told him and said, we came into the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. We came into the land where you sent us, and we have evidence of what you said is true. Now that sounds good so far. We went in, that was obedience, right? We went into the land and we came back with evidence that what you said about the land is true. But the very next word cancels out anything of faith that might have been in their previous statement. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. They have just negated, they've just canceled out, they've just erased the fact that there's evidence. Even though we have evidence, even though what you said is true, Nevertheless. The people, now they're going to talk about something that has no, no part to play in God bringing them into the land that flows with milk and honey. They're going, to talk about, they're going to talk about elements of the situation or details of the circumstance that have nothing whatsoever to do with what God said about the, taking them into the land that flows with milk and honey. They said the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, or even more, or, or you know, top it off with this. We saw the children of Anak. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. So they're just going on, aren't they? They're just like, let me tell you. And, and if you thought that was bad, we saw the children of Anak, And then there was the Hittites and the Canaanites and the Jebusites. And, and so here comes Caleb. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, stop, stop, stop. He's interrupting this evil report. Is it an evil report? We know it because God called it an evil report in the book of Hebrews. It said they brought back an evil report. In this Uh, uh, Book of Numbers, he calls it an evil report. Well, what were they saying? What they saw. What they felt. Things that they could see. Were there walls? Yeah. Was the children of Anak there? Yes. Were there Amalekites and Jebusites and Amorites? Yeah. But that was not, that was like what, Second Corinthians chapter 10 says, it was information that exalted itself above the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is, I have given you this land. That was what God had said to them. This land, I've given it to you. Not going to give it, not if we can get those Jebusites out of there, not if we can deal with those Anak, Anak giants up there. No, None of that had anything to do... The knowledge of God was, I have given you the land. And they were allowing the walled cities to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. They were allowing the information about the inhabitants of the land to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And because of that, that God called it an evil report. An evil report. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. Right now, let's go right now and possess it. Would they have been able to go up right at that moment and possess the land? Yes. He said, let's go right now and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. Whose report is he in line with? He's agreeing with what God said. God said, He's given us this land. We are more than able to overcome it. But the men that went with him said, We be not able. A full confrontation of of refusal to what he just said. We are not able. He said, We are well able. They stood back up and said, No, we are not able. We are not able. Can you see the confrontation between faith and walking by sight? Yeah. Yeah. They were, th- their evil report was a sight report. Yeah. Their evil report was a sense knowledge report. It did not agree with God. It did not line up with what God had promised. And that's where we are in our lives. We've got to take God's side every time. If God said I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I'm not going to check my feelings and find out, well, I still feel bad about the mistakes I made from my past, so I'm not really righteous. No, He said I'm righteous, so I'm going to approach Him like I'm righteous. I'm going to be thankful for the righteousness that He made me. It's not me that made myself righteous. It's not anything I've done that's made me righteous. But my righteousness is all because of what Jesus has done. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to agree with Him. If He says, by the stripes I'm healed, I'm not going to agree with how my body feels. I'm going to agree with what He said in the face of how my body feels. That's how I resist what my body's feeling. That's how I raise the shield of faith up against it. I don't just deny it. I don't say, oh, well, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. There's no power in denying it. The power is in calling for what is mine by spiritual right. What is mine by the account of what Jesus paid for. What Jesus put in my account. I'm, I'm withdrawing that with my faith and bringing it into manifestation. Amen. So the sight report, God calls it an evil report because it tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. So we've got to take God's side every time. We've got to come out on the Lord's side. We've got to to agree with God. He said in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, How can two walk together except they be agreed? For us to walk the path, we're going to have to agree with Him. So He said, We are well able to overcome it. And the men that went up with Him said, No, we're not. We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel. I found one translation that says they brought up a slanderous report of the land. They slandered the, what God had said was good. A slanderous report. They they. They brought up an evil, slanderous report of the land, which they had searched, came back with evidence that what God said was true and still slandered it in the face of their grapes the size of basketballs. The grapes We know the one cluster of grapes took two men and a stick to carry it. They had to drag the grapes back. A cluster. With the evidence in hand, they probably tasted of those grapes. You think they tasted them? They tasted of those grapes. They may have tasted them and still said, We be not able. With I mean, with the right in front of their face, everything God had had said was true, and they were still agreeing with the evidence of the natural circumstance. Hallelujah. And it says in verse 33, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak. So not all, the Amorites weren't giants. The Amalekites weren't giants. The Jebusites weren't giants. There was one family of giants. Just one family. We saw the giants, the and they weren't jolly green giants either. They were between 9 and 12 foot, but they weren't like, you know, 70 feet high above a, you know, a five foot, six foot person. They were, they there was a family of them, and God wasn't concerned about the giants, but they had to come back and report. We saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were, here's the problem, in our own sight. We see ourselves. We see ourselves as we are not able. We see ourselves as grasshoppers. We see ourselves as small and insignificant. We see ourselves. That's why we've got to see ourselves in Christ. And we've got to see ourselves in the covenant. We've got to see greater is he who is in me. We've got to see the power of Jesus' name. The authority he's given us by that name. So they... They refused to believe God, even with the evidence. And it goes in chapter 14. You know, in between this, God comes and he says, you know, let me just read chapter 14 and verse 7. This is what Joshua and Caleb say. They spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, He will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. He was calling their actions rebellion. And Hebrews chapter uh, 2 or or chapter 3 also calls it rebellion. Rebellion. They rebelled against the Lord. He said, only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defenses departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. That's how they responded to the faith report. They were so angry at their faith report. Here's two men standing up saying, We are able. God is with us. We can do this. Let's go now. God will give us the land. He's with us. And they said, find a rock and hit them in the head and get them to shut up with all that faith talk of we're going in the land. So not everybody's going to be excited about your stand of faith. But you're on God's side, and that's much more important than having the agreement of the crowd That's much more important to your outcome than being in line with what is everybody else's way of seeing it. So when they they said this, the congregation bade to stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared. The glory came to protect them from being stoned to death. The glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation. And here is what the Lord said. The Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? God changes not and unbelief still provokes him. We've got to guard our hearts and we've got to discipline our lives to be in line with the word. To be in agreement with God and not to allow the flesh or what's going on in the world, or how it's making us feel, or the situations in our finances, or anything else, none of those things are going to cause us to judge God wrongly, and to say, God, why didn't you come through for me? God has never failed us, and never will fail us, if we will maintain our trust in Him. Remember one of the things he said, trusting God and His ways and His words are safeguards, Because one of the things the enemy wants to do is get you to turn on God and blame Him. And say, God, you let this happen. Why did you let this happen, God? Why didn't you do something? Never, 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 never cross that line. Make that a line that you never cross. I never blame God. I'm never going to look at God and say, He let me down. No matter what happens, I'm going to turn to Him. Lord, You are my help. You are my strong tower. I don't have all the answers. I don't understand exactly what's going on around me. But I know this. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. You are trustworthy and I will never never say that you are to blame. And so those, those words of unbelief provoke our Father. And one of the things the fear of the Lord does, that trusting in God does, trusting in God comes from that fear of the Lord, is that I respect Him and I know He is the creator of all things. He is God all by Himself and beside Him there is no other. And when I have that respect and I hold Him in that place, then I always, no matter how intimate i am and how much i love him and how how good he is to me i always know you have created the universe and all things that exist and i will i will always hold that regard amen and so he said how long will this people provoke me how long have they been provoking him they provoked him all the way through from the time he brought them out all the way through, they had been provoking him and provoking him, and God is so long-suffering, and he's patient with us. And you may have family members who, say, who blame God. You may have family members who say, you know, uh, I don't understand why God let this happen to so-and-so, and, and they may be blaming God. But don't, don't throw them under the bus. God's long-suffering, and they might not be walking in the light you're walking in. And so, don't judge them, pray for them, pray the mercy on them, and, and you hold your place in that respect for Him. Amen? Now, it says in this same chapter, verse 44, now, it, God dealt with their unbelief, He told them, you're not going to go in, I, I've changed my, my, my purpose, I'm going to switch, and because of your unbelief, I can't take you in but Joshua and Caleb they will go in and then those who brought back I want you to see this those who brought back an evil report they they, it, they were consumed <laughs> and it says there was they were consumed with the plague and then all of a sudden it says in verse 40 that the people rose up the next morning and said you know what yesterday was just a bad day we were just in unbelief yesterday we've changed our mind we'll go on in We'll go on in. And Moses said, no, you won't. No, you won't. You've already crossed the line. you already pushed the limits. You've already disrespected God. You've already exalted the knowledge of the situation above the knowledge of God. And God has already uh, uh, switched the, the plan. And you won't go in. And they said, yeah, we're going to go in. We're going in. So they were going to do something without faith. They weren't doing it by faith. They weren't doing it by faith, but what they'd probably come to the, the, the end result of, of thinking, well, you know, what are we going to do? We're sit out here in this place. We've been complaining about all this these months, right? And so they decided they would go in. And Moses said, you know what? Don't go in. The Lord's not going with you. And they went up anyway without the Lord. We're just going to go get what God was going to give us without God. And verse 44, it says, They presumed to go up unto the, top, the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill, and smote them, and discomfited them even unto Hormah. Now, they, they were going without God, and they were fighting without God, and they lost. But when did they lose? Did they lose when they went to the hilltop and the Amalekites and the Canaanites smote them? Is that when they lost? That's not when they lost. That's not when their defeat came. Their defeat came the moment they refused to believe God. When they accepted the evil report and refused to believe God, even with people, they had the option, didn't they? They had the report of those who said, we be not able. But they had a loud, strong report of those who did stand up and say, we are able. We are able. And instead of saying, you know what? God fed us with manna. We asked for food and he brought quail up to our waist. Instead of rehearsing how the water came out of a rock. Out of a rock, y'all. Instead of rehearsing how they came through the Red Sea and the waters closed behind them and they were suddenly debt free. They they came through and their enemy was defeated behind them. Instead of rehearsing the victory at the Red Sea and the victory of the manna and the victory of the water out of the rock. Instead of rehearsing those things, they just immediately responded to what they saw. Do you see how important it is for us to worship? For us to praise? For us to continually talk about what God is doing? Kenneth E. Hagin said, if you want robust faith, continually talk about what the Lord's doing for you. Continually talk about what He's done for you. What He's doing for you. Why? Because it continually reminds you. God did it before and He'll do it Again, He'll do it again. (laughs) He was faithful then, and He's faithful today. He changes not, remember? He's faithful. And so this is so important to recognize. They didn't lose on the hilltop in verse 45. That was not the point of their defeat the point of their defeat is when they accepted we be not able and agreed with that well you and i we are not those who draw back unto loss perdition we are those of people of faith and we have a different outcome like joshua and caleb that's who we identify with because we're going to take god at his word we're going to practice believing God. Amen? We're going to practice casting down imaginations and letting the Word of God hold a position of truth in our life. We're going to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. We are not going to walk by what we see, but we are going to walk by faith and not by sight, never by appearance. We are going to be those who, who allow the love of God to govern our actions so that our faith can be supplied and energized by the love of God. Amen? Now, in this same scenario, we see that Joshua and Caleb, they did have a report of victory. Go with me to Joshua chapter 14, and let's read verse 6. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6. This is us. We are those who walk by faith. We are those who walk in the Spirit and do not fulfill the lust of our flesh. Joshua 14 and 6 says, The children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenesite, said unto him, You know the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and you and Kadesh Barnea? Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me into Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Not in my eyes. Not, not what I saw in the natural. I brought word again as it was in my heart. That's where we live out of. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. It means I'm walking out of the spiritual supplies that are imparted into me at the new birth. I'm walking out of the spiritual relationship that I have with God. My trust in Him. My faith in Him. my, My feeding on the Word is producing a light in my life that I can walk and I can see where to put my feet on steady, solid ground. So he said, I brought Word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. That's you and I. That's what we are. That's our objective. To wholly follow the Lord. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon your feet have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he has said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spoke this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now I am this day fourscore and Uh, Five years old, so here he is, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so is my strength now for war, both to go in and to come out. Hallelujah! We can advance in age and not get old, y'all. We can advance in age, why? Because we're living out of our spirit. We can advance in age and not have to, to get old, what, the, what we call getting old. Hallelujah. Just advancing in wisdom. Hallelujah. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. And then he says this in verse 14. Uh, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Was that moment right here in Joshua 14, 14, was that the moment of his victory? Was that the point where he, when the manifestation came and they're there and he says, okay, now today it's yours. Now is when you get the victory. No, when was his point of victory? When did he establish himself in the victory to gain that? The moment he stood back there in numbers and believed God and said, we are more than able. Do you see that? It took a few years to manifest, but it was established on that day in Numbers. On that day when he accepted. So the point of defeat is the moment a person believes a lie and acts on it. The point of defeat is the moment a person believes a lie and acts on it. Defeat will eventually manifest. The point of faith is the moment you believe the truth, God's word, and act on it. That's the moment of victory. That's the point of victory. The point of victory, the moment of victory, is when you believe God's word and act on it. And the victory will manifest. Victory is the end result of faith. Victory is the end result of faith. That's why in 1 John, he says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Victory is the end result of faith. If you're believing, you're in victory. If you you have believed, isn't that what David said? He said, I would have fainted. I would have fainted. I would have just given up. I would have just walked away and said, It's just too much. I would have, except. <laughs> except I've already believed. No need, to, no need to faint now. No need to give up now. No need to walk away now. I've already believed. And as long as I've believed, I'm just going to stand and see the victory. I'm just going to stand as the victory manifests. I'm in the victory When I'm in faith, the point of victory is the point where I believe God's word and act on it. Glory to God. In Romans chapter 4, let's look at verse 13. And we'll read down through 16. For the promise, the promise, is that what they were entering into? the promise of god the promised land god was trying to take them into the promise he had prepared the promise for them he had chosen the promise for them he he had it already he was trying to take them into the promise the promise that he should be the heir of the world the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but it was through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law works wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. transgression. Therefore, it is of faith. It is of faith that it might be by grace to the end. So you can say it this way. God has chosen to make it of faith that it might be by grace for this end purpose. This is the reason that God has chosen for the things to be received by faith. This is the reason. So that... The promise might be sure. The promise. So when we're talking about a promise of God, a promise in the Bible, we're not talking about something that's not already established. Like, maybe someday, I promise someday I'll do this for you. It's not something off into the future. There are some aspects. My glorified body, I have to wait on that. But thankfully, patience is instilled in me as the fruit of the Spirit. So, But there are aspects of things God has promised. Remember, he said, we are more than able, let's go up now. Let's go up now. We are more than able to possess it now. What was lacking? The faith to possess it. He said, this promise that he would be the heir of the world is by faith, it is of faith and by grace. For what purpose? So that the promise would be sure. This is not a lottery. This is not a crapshoot. This is not a game of chance. Prayer, receiving from God, it's not a game of chance. It's not, well, maybe God's going to heal me. Let me see if I can get God to heal me. Let me just try. Come on. I come out of your prayer time, and I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't roll the dice right. I'll try again tomorrow. When I get in tomorrow, I'm going, oh, come on, snake eyes. No, we're not, we're not dealing with God in something that is by chance. He says he wants you to know that it's sure. That the things that he has placed in the word as, as promissory notes. So we have to look, remember how long Pastor spent teaching us about covenant. We have to think with God as covenant children. We have because our father is a covenant father. And so we have to think covenant when we think with him about his things. And we have to realize he established this by covenant. So this, when it says promise, he's talking about a covenant. Promise. He's talking about a a a covenant provision. So if you had a contract and you wanted to look in that contract and you say, "What's provided for me in this contract? What is established as mine in this contract?" And you go through the contract. Let's say, for instance, you have a contract about a new um, air conditioner for your, a new air conditioning unit or something for your house. And you look through the contract and you find out what, what, you, what your warranty is. You find out how, what, what they'll cover in that warranty. You'll find out what is included in, in their installation. And so you're looking to find out what is by covenant, by this contract, what is promised to me in this contract. And that's the word of God for us. This is God's contract with us. He put it that way so that you could take Him at His word. He put it in this format so that it would be sure. So that you could come with faith and it's all by His grace. I love the definition that the Lord gave Charles Caps for grace. He said grace is God's willingness to use all of His resources on your behalf even though you don't deserve it. And he said, when he used to just look at the word grace as undeserved favor, and that, you know, you're saved by grace. And he said, if you just think that, and it is undeserved favor, but you, we have to magnify that understanding of that. He said, if you just look at grace as God saying, I'm, 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 I'm okay with you getting saved. I'm, I'm for you getting saved. That wouldn't have helped you much because you couldn't have got saved without all of His resources. <laughs> of the blood to wash you and the, the life of Jesus to, to be the sacrifice for your life. Without all of His resources included in that willingness. It's not just God's willingness but it's His willingness to use all of His resources. Amen. Glory to God. He, he's saying... Yes, I want you to be saved, and I want it so I will take all of the the resources to pay for your redemption, to free you from the power of the curse, to to make you righteous with me, to make you my child. I'll do all of the the behind-the-scenes things necessary for you to walk in the full salvation. So it's not just, I'm willing for you to be saved. I want you to be saved. But he said, I want you and I'll pay for it. I want you to be saved and I'll, I'll pay for it all. Amen? I'll, I'll provide all of the necessary elements for your salvation. That's the grace of God. So it's, it's all by his grace, his willingness. And his willingness to use all of his resources on our behalf. But he said it is of faith. It is of faith that it might be by grace for this purpose, so that it's guaranteed. That's a word that the other translations use. I'm going to read, first of all, the Bible in basic English. It says, so that the word of God may be certain. The word of God may be certain to all the seed. We need to to treat the Word of God differently. Don't read the Word like you scroll through Facebook. Don't just read through and look for what you highlighted, what you've underlined. You've You've got to change it. You've got to approach the Word of God as as. Holy, you've, got to, you've got to teach yourself to listen to God's word, to read God's word in a way you haven't received any other source of information in your life. And the more you will come to his word with that attitude, with that expectation, as this is God, the creator of the universe, speaking to me. This is his instruction for me. This is his His will for my life there are things that you can't know or see or do without the light of this word to see it you can't even identify the righteous position that you have without the word revealing it to you because your your feelings will never find the righteousness of God in Christ you, you could never do so much good things, so many good things. You could never do so many different actions of what people might call righteous and enter in to what faith will do in your stand with God. By faith, we are able to see our position with God in a way that no good works can help me find. So the word, I've got to have a relationship with the Word. You know, I put this in my book. How many of you have been reading "Escaping Hell?" Praise God. I want you to tell me how it's helping you. But I, I put in my book, before I, the, the before, in, in order before learning how to hear the voice of the Spirit of God, I put you've got to learn how to hear God in His word. You've got to learn how to let the word of God speak to you. Because there are people who want the the spectacular. They want God to minister to them in a spectacular way. Without having the foundation of hearing it in his word first. I'm so thankful that he had someone in my life who said, If you'll learn to hear God in this written word then when He speaks to you, you'll recognize His voice. And you wouldn't be deceived. It's not easy to be deceived when you're used to hearing Him in His Word because you know how He talks. You know how He talks. And so the, the reason God established it to be of faith and by grace is so that the promise would be sure. The English Standard Version says that the promise would be guaranteed. Give me the Amplified if you can get it to work for you. It says, therefore, inheriting the promise, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. Inheriting the promise depends entirely on faith. Inheriting the promise depends entirely on faith. Inheriting the promise, whatever promise it is that you're standing for, whatever it is, the salvation of your children, the, the healing of your body, whatever it is that's yours by covenant, It's yours by promise. It's something that God has already placed in His Word as His will for your life. Inheriting it depends entirely on faith. It's not automatic. It's automatically yours, but it's not going to automatically happen for you just the same way as God is willing that all people be saved, but they're not going to be saved until they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the faith. That Jesus died for me. It's the faith that God raised him from the dead. That raises me out of spiritual death. It's the faith that he took on his body. My sins. He, he carried away. He's my scapegoat. He's my sin bearer. He's my. He's my. He's, he's, he's my. Uh, uh, the one upon whom God placed the judgment. The, the brass serpent in the wilderness. He is my sacrifice. It's my faith in what Jesus did for me that enables me to receive what he did for me. It is of faith. It depends, inheriting the promise depends entirely on faith. Faith is our part. God's done his part, he's done his part. He's established his grace, his access to his resources in Christ. In Christ, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. In Christ, we are heirs and joint heirs. In Christ, we've been made one with God. Amen. In Christ. So He's done His part. Amen. Our part is take Him at His word. Amen. Believe Him. And in the midst of having to walk out our daily lives. Do you see why it's so important that we learn how to walk in the Spirit? That we learn how to walk by faith? That we every day practice, every day's a faith day. Our pastor wrote the book, Every Day's a Faith Day, because he recognizes that it's Sometimes it can become head knowledge. I know all of the faith principles. I know all of the do's and don'ts. I know all of the right slogans. I know all of the right steps to take. But That doesn't mean that my heart is full. That doesn't mean that my heart is established on the Word. That doesn't mean I'm casting down those imaginations. It doesn't mean that I'm walking in love and forgiving and, and letting it go, dropping it. Leaving behind that, that, un, that, uh, that offense that would starve out my faith. There are, there are aspects of walking in faith that require daily attention, daily disciplines. It is a faith. Inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace, unmerited favor, to make it stable and valid and guaranteed. I want you to see everything in God's Word as stable, valid, and guaranteed. I never want you to go to prayer with hope alone. Hope is good if you're adding faith to it. Hope by itself is a poor receiver. Hope is what faith gives substance to. But hope by itself isn't the completion. We take hope as a picture, and then we begin to add our faith to that hope, bring our faith to that hope. We begin to let faith work on that blueprint. Every promise of God, everything that God has said in His Word, is stable and valid and guaranteed to us. So this is why we've got to hold His Word in a place that is different than other information. We've got to hold His Word in a position of authority in our lives. The Word of God should have authority if Jesus is Lord. To say, Jesus, the Word made flesh, is your Lord and Savior, but you're not a doer of the Word. I'm not looking at anybody. For anybody, for us, let me say us, let me do it that way. For us to say, Jesus is Lord, He's my Savior, but if there's an area of my life where I refuse to be a doer of His Word, or I neglect to be a doer of His Word, then that person will fall into the category of, they call me Lord, Lord, but they don't do my sayings. What's that person? A house built on sand. A life built on uncertainty. God wants our lives to be stable, built on the stability of His Word. So let's look together at Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, and I'll begin in verse 14. Matthew 17, 14, when they were come to the multitude, there came to him, to Jesus, a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, and oft times he falls into the fire and oft into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why couldn't we cast him out? Why couldn't we cast him out? So... The Father says they could not. And the disciples, they said they could not. But that's not what the Word says. Go back to chapter 10 of the book of Matthew. Just back up a couple of chapters here. Matthew 10. When He had called unto Him His twelve disciples, He gave them power against unclean spirits, To cast them out. He gave them power to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He gave them power to cast them out. But the Father said they could not. And they agreed. They said, why couldn't we? But Jesus said, "Oh faithless and perverse or twisted, you're not thinking right, generation." He didn't agree with what why he knew I've gave you power. What convinced the disciples that they didn't have the power? What they saw when they tried to cast The devil out. And there was a manifestation. That made them agree. That we could not. Instead of standing their ground in faith. Instead of maintaining their position of faith. And saying regardless of what I see. I have been given power. To cast this unclean spirit out of this boy. And that unclean spirit is leaving the boy. But instead, when they saw a manifestation that told them it didn't work, they agreed and said it didn't work. And so, Brother Hagan, he went into churches. He never got a tent, even though many people said to him, you should get a tent like everybody else has a tent. The people... Had come through earlier with their in the tents, and they had ministered to people, and 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 God moved, God healed people. And then when Brother Hagan would come into that region a few months later, and he's preaching in the churches, the pastor said to Brother Hagan "Brother Hagan, I had some of my people go to Brother Roberts' meeting, and and this other tent minister, you know, uh, um, uh." And would name, you know, William Branham, uh, 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 the, uh, Amy Simple McPherson, different healing ministers. God legitimately had healed them. And they, they were healed for a few months. And, and about two months after, or three months, or it, they lost their healing. Lost their healing. Can you help us? And Brother Hagan said, tell them to come to all of the teaching services that they can come to. And at the end of my time, I'll pray for them. He said, normally, I didn't have to pray for them. Because they would come to me after attending the teachings and say, I saw where I missed it. I've corrected it and I've got my healing back. What was it? He said, inevitably, in every one of their situations, they had received the healing power of God into their body by a working of a miracle, by a healing anointing, by a gift of healing operating there under the tent. They had received it, but they had not built their faith to maintain it. And when a symptom would come, he gave the example of the man who got healed at the beginning of one of his meetings. And then he had stayed there for like six or eight weeks. And about three or four weeks into his time, the man who had gotten healed of, uh, in his ears and in his back, he, he came in with, and couldn't hear again and, and couldn't hardly walk again. And Brother Hagan said, what happened to you? And he said, I was standing at the post office and all of a sudden my ears got muffled and I said, I, I thought I was healed but I guess I'm not. And all of the symptoms came back. What was the enemy just trying to get him to agree so that the enemy would have have the opportunity? As long as he stayed in faith, he could have resisted it. But when he agreed with the evil report, when he agreed with what he saw, what he felt, that's why we don't check our feelings. If you get hands laid on you in a prayer line, Regardless of how you feel when you walk back to your seat. That means nothing. We don't gauge whether we have received from God by how we feel after prayer. That's not the basis of our faith. The basis of our faith is hands were laid on me tonight. I am am recuperating now. I am receiving my healing now. It says hands will be laid on you and you shall Take that at face value. I'm recovering. And so you may have to say it. You may have to verbalize it. Stand your ground. Position yourself. I am recovering. Hallelujah. It's not based on the symptom. If I agree with every symptom, the enemy will have a flip chart heyday in my life. He'll just walk around with his flip chart and he'll he'll just offer me whatever I'm willing to take. You've got emphysema. I don't have emphysema. No, not emphysema. Okay, double pneumonia. I don't know. Double pneumonia. COVID. Yeah, that's what it is. I got the COVID. No, just don't take the flip chart. No, I'm by a stride, some heal. I got 1 Peter 2.24. In the, in the face of the symptoms, in the face of the feelings, it's not the Amalekites and the Jebusites that determine whether I have what God said I have. Whose report will you believe? I'm not going to agree with the slanderous report of the land of promise. I'm going to agree. We are more than able. We are more than able. This is the point of victory. The point that I believe and I act on what I believe. I believe and I act on what I believe. And sometimes it is... A rejoicing, that is my action. That is is probably one of the greatest tools that you could develop in your life is learn how to rejoice at the promise. When you you say, I believe, I receive it, then you begin to rejoice and praise God. Out of your spirit, you are releasing faith, I have it. Why is that smile on your face? Because I have it. Why are you singing that song under your breath? Because I have it. Why are you walking around with that smile on your face? Because I have it. I, I've got it. It's working for me. The reason that a lot of people are going around heavy laden and, and, and aggravated or frustrated is because they are agreeing with how it feels. They're agreeing with what they see. They're agreeing with what the report of the circumstance is identifying to them. This is truth. This is truth. This is truth. They were able. The father said they could not. The disciples said they could not. But Jesus had already established they could. He established in chapter 10 that they could. And here they are seven chapters later saying we can't. He said, yes you can. Yes you can. But I can't. Why are you saying you can't? Why are you saying you can't? Because I don't feel like I can. Nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Peter looked at the wind and the waves, and the wind and the waves had nothing to do with his ability to walk on water. Nothing. They were of no, no, no sway on his ability to walk on water. But when he got his attention on them, he began to fear. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands right now and say, Father, I take you at your word. Teach me, Lord. Open my eyes to see more clearly how your word is truth. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to pause right there. Because I want to give us an opportunity to honor the Lord in the tithe and the offering before we close today. And I want what we've talked about so far to sink in. I want you to chew on it. I want you to meditate on it. And um, let the point of victory be established. You know what would help you? Is when you... When you come to that place where you know I've released faith, sometimes you've got to wait till you build your faith up before you release it. You remember Brother Hagan said they called him about Sister Pat being sick or wrote him a letter about Sister Pat being sick. And he, he studied the scriptures. He was preaching faith every day, laying hands on the sick every day. But he spent extra time for three days three days he spent extra time above his studying for his messages going over the healing scriptures before he prayed for his child because he said I needed to feed on them for myself hallelujah so there are times that before we release our faith we need to strengthen our faith by going to the word and letting it spiritually feed us Chewing on those promises and, and getting them into our spirit. Not just going by the head knowledge. That's the, that's the biggest deception I see most, especially word of faith. Listen, if you've been in the word of faith teaching for a while, hear me. Don't be deceived by mental assent. Don't be deceived because you know it doesn't mean you're believing it. Because you know it doesn't mean there's a fullness of faith in that promise. That mental ascent tricks people. Good God-fearing, Jesus-loving, blood-bought saints. It tricks them into thinking I'm in faith when they're in their head and not release. It takes time in the Word to be in faith it takes fellowship with the word let me say it that way it takes fellowship with the word because faith comes by the word that that feeding on the word letting that word be your meditation attend this is how this is how he says it in proverbs 4 attend give your attention to it give your attention to it i was this past week in uh uh a conference in uh, Keith Moore's church and uh, there he, he had these people who had been uh, ministered to by his ministry through their word supply, their CDs that sent into the prison and these three men who had been in the prison and their lives had changed because of these teachings, they were testifying and one of them was testifying and he said, you know, I had all this time in to, to, to study and to pray. I had all this time and then I got out. I got out and, they, and he said, when I went into prison, they didn't even have cell phones. And I got out and they've got Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and cell phones and, and tablets and all these, all these things. And what was he talking about? All these things wanted his attention. He had grown so much while he was able to give his attention to the Word of God. Well, you and I can discipline our lives. What's the most important thing in my life is my spiritual strength. If I don't have that, all of the other things I'm going to deal with, finances, healing, all of it, are going to be difficult without spiritual strength. If, I, if my spirit is strong, all of those things are easier. To walk through. And to, to walk through victoriously. But if I allow my, my mind, my attention to be on things. Uh, and there are things that we... But I'm talking about a discipline to put God first. To give Him first place in your time and your attention. So that you are letting the Word of God be the light into your life. And you're able to live out of that place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is vital, that we, we start now living a, a life in the Spirit. We wake up in the morning and we turn to our heart where the Holy Spirit is and we begin to commune with Him. We wake up in the morning and we put our attention on the things of God. Attend to my words in your ears and your eyes so that it gets in the middle of your heart. Hallelujah.